Hello and welcome to the For Parents Like You podcast. My name is Hilda Joy O'Connor and on this podcast we will be talking about all things to do with parenting. Being a parent is one of the most important roles you can ever play in the life of another human being. Let's be honest, there is nothing more fulfilling than to see our children grow up in love, compassion and empowerment. But the process of getting them to this stage can be very difficult. On this podcast, we will be discussing ways of how to equip parents like you and me to become more effective and purpose-driven. Thank you so much for joining me as we dive into today's episode. We just recently celebrated Nigerians Independence Day on October the 1st. And for this episode, I thought to do something different by bringing in a bit of culture. Many of you may not know, but my own personal background, many of you may not know, but I am fully Nigerian. I was born there. Um, I was raised there. I came to the UK at the age of nine and my entire family are from there. And I'm so grateful to have been born there. I love the richness and the culture. And one of the things that stuck out to me growing up in Nigeria was the enforcement of community. I was always surrounded with families and neighbors. It was like everyone kept an eye out for each other. Needless to say, my faith in Christ Jesus played a sentimental part of my upbringing. My family cultivated the importance of um, relationship with God. And because of that seed that has been, that had been sown into me from a young age, I'm benefiting from it today as well as my children. So I love Africa. I love all things to do with Africa. And I thought, let's do something a bit special in honor of Africa and in honor of Nigeria's Independence Day. Joining me on this episode, I have here with us Tustin Lewani. Tustin Lewani is a mother to two children who are teenagers and also she works in the financial industry. Tustin Lewani was born in Nigeria and she lived there for 36 years of her life and she came to the UK and has stayed in the UK for about 11 years. Welcome to the show, Tassin Lawali. Thank you. Thanks, Hilda. It is an honor to have you here, and thank you for taking your time out to speak with us today. That's okay. It's my pleasure to do that. Thanks. So what do you love about your culture? Oh, Nigeria is beautiful. The people... I would say that first of all, the people are, you know, they are amazing. You will find Nigerians, we, we're very expressive. We tell it as it is. I mean, in other cultures, they say we're direct, but that's how we are. We, we tell it as it is. When we're feeling joy, oh my gosh, the expression of that is so beautiful. When we dance, the expression of that, you feel it in your bones, you feel the music, it's beautiful. So I love that about my culture, about my heritage. Um, the food, the food is amazing. I always daydream about, you know, the, the Eastern foods. I'm not Eastern, but, you know, the ofe, the different ofe's <laughs> soups, <laughs> um, you know, the vegetables where we are, are we have we have lots of vegetable heavy vegetable based foods um so you know the diversity of food diversity of of music diversity of um different cultures you find nigeria is also represented by very 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 different cultures and so many ethnicities and they all bring that richness to nigeria so yeah i, I love the flavor that we together produce as Nigerians. And I love that. You've got a fast pace in Nigeria, in, in Lagos and some other few cities. I think Lagos is the fastest. And then you've got the really slower, much, much snail paced cities or towns like Ife, where I grew up. 
um, with lots of, and it's just the, the difference is, is, is amazing, um, an experience of it. So yeah, Nigeria, beautiful. That's awesome to hear. I totally agree. I mean, I love our culture. Um, yeah, you're so right in terms of the richness. Um, how would you define freedom? Because we just recently celebrated our 60th year of independence. So, you know, freedom is an interesting thing. I, I, would, I take freedom as a gift from God. But I think it's a gift we often overlook. And, you know, Janet Jackson's song, uh, you, you, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. I think that um, sort of gives some perspective on freedom. If you want to really know the true value of freedom, lose it. Then you will know what, how valuable it is. If we spoke to the prisoner, the prisoner knows what the true value of freedom is. Um, and I'm just going to use that as a quick metaphor from Nigeria as a prisoner. You can't go where you, anywhere you want to go to. You're just stuck within the walls of the prison. Um, and whenever you're freed, the day the prisoner gets their freedom, they're able to go where they want to. They can be with whoever they want to be. They can eat whatever they want to eat. Anytime they want to, you know, that is the beauty of freedom. And when I reflect on the independence for Nigeria and I reflect on, you know, the origins of all of that is about, you know, how we were once a colony of the British. Um, and I imagine our laws were not fully ours. Um, and those are the sorts of things that limit the freedom of a people. And so freedom, independence, it's the ability to make the decisions for yourself. You think for yourself, you create for yourself, you execute for yourself, you go wherever you want to, whenever, however. I think that's the beauty of freedom. Wow, that's really good. And on the topic of parenting, do you think that we as parents can sometimes misuse our freedom in the way that we raise up our children? That's a really good question. And I say that because um, when, you know, as an adult, you have, you have, we all have our freedoms, you know, we're, f we're free to do what we want, obviously within the boundaries of the law of the land anyway. I think people are driven by their values. So my simple answer to that would be, some people would misuse their freedom and some won't. And it's just the same way as even within the boundaries of the law, some, somebody gets up and goes to shoot someone, they believe they're free to do that. That's a misuse of that freedom. Um, and so in the same way, some people would misuse that freedom to, you know, over, over their own children, over other people's children, you know, talk about house helps, for example, in Nigeria, they get subjected to so many horrible things because some people just, <laughs> you're free to do what you want. There are no real laws around. I mean, not that there are no real laws, but I guess the, the laws around them in Nigeria are not as effective. There are very few, if any, um, social agencies that they feel but they're very few that support those kind of people so the it's very easy for adults to misuse that freedom over such vulnerable people um yeah and where the law is not effective it, it just it's just the right environment so yeah you, you've got a mix of mix of it some who would be driven by wanting to do the right thing would do right. You've got some parents who, some, some adults who would actually look after people who are not their children and will treat them well. And then you've got some that would just take out all their frustrations on them or be mean or whatever, and be whatever they want to be to those kids. So, so do you think that sometimes we can 
be too enforcive with our culture and the way that we raise our children and not really understand much of the laws of the land with raising them? I think in Nigeria, if we talk about Nigeria, I think culture has often been relied on as the way to raise children rather than the law. I think the law would sort of give the the law, the, the guidance of the law applies to both parents and child. So things like not, you know, killing someone, for example, which you would ordinarily teach your child, is the parent is subject to it. But in terms of the actual teaching of the child, I think we often just rely on our culture. What are the things my parents taught me? This is what I saw in my society. And so I do the same for my child and so on. I find that it's important to get the balance of culture, but don't allow that to be the, the override of how you raise your child. Like just because I saw my parent do it, doing it this way, it doesn't necessarily mean that it may be the best way that you have been called to raise this new child that is placed into your hands. And I find that it is important for us as parents or as carers to know the laws of the land and to be able to practice those laws of the land in order that we may not misuse the authority that has been given to us over these children. Um, I've been reading a lot about child abuse in Nigeria and it's, it broke my heart to find out the number of cases um, and in the number of cases that has been affected in this area, one of the things that I want to understand more is like, how can you get the balance between discipline and not controlling your children in a way that fits your own need? My culture where I grew up is the Yoruba culture. And one of the things I feel is our culture can be quite controlling, very controlling. You know, children are heard, oh, sorry, they're seen, not heard. Even when you're not directly told that as a child, it is, it is uh, in, what's the word now? Inferred um, or implied, you know, by you say something, they tell you to shut up, you know, and then, you know, of course, the child immediately recedes into their shell and so on. Um, or, or there's even the silent one where by not pulling you into the conversation, they're making it clear that you should not be speaking. You know, little things like that. But that, that's just about how you, that's, that's just a, a few of the little ways we control the child. And of course, there's the discipline in approach which could be controlling there's the you know different things which are not necessarily in themselves bad but it's about how we apply it how many of us actually take time to reflect on our approach to bringing up our children am i seeing the results i want to see do i the way i was brought up because very often we also um, what did they say? You can't give what you don't have. Very often you would default to the way you were brought up because that's what you know. You know, that's how our brains are wired. That's our norm. That's what we were exposed to for what the however many year, number of years we were on earth before we started having kids. That's what we knew. And so when you're bringing up a child, and you're faced with a situation, for example, that requires some intervention from you, and it's almost an emergency situation, your brain does not have time to think. Your brain reaches for the nearest information, which is usually your norm, the norm you have talked away, the norm you were exposed to throughout your childhood. That's what your brain brings, and that's what you apply. Um, and so how, whether that is the right thing or not, Again, it will be back to what we want, our values. What is it? How did we 
who, what kind of people are we and how do we want to bring up our child? Is it important? Is our child really important to us? If they are, I would say we should ref take time to reflect on our approaches. Do we think our manners, our style, our approach is going to be effective to bring out the best that we want to see in our child, in our children? Do we think we are the best? We, because the way we were brought up, if we're using the same approach, has it brought out the best in us? Or are there things that we can do, adjustments we can make by seeking learning outside of ourselves um, and, and sort of tweaking our approach? Well, Einstein, I, I, I understand it's Einstein that said, um, you, you can't do, doing the same, some people do, madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. But we keep having the same result if we keep using the same approach. And so if you want to see a different result, we want children who are well-adjusted, confident, like the other ones that we're seeing outside, then we need to go and get the knowledge. How did those ones do it to result in those kind of, um, in, in, in well-adjusted children? One of the things that stuck out to me when you were speaking on this topic matter was that I think for us as parents it's important for us to reflect on our past, reflect on our upbringing, reflect on what was good and what was bad and use the bad as a way to learn and to do better and not repeat the same cycle that would affect our children negatively. When does this control of culture become destructive or abusive to children? First of all, I think there's, there's different, there'll be different categories. So there's a category of people who are outrightly mean to kids, whether intentionally or not. So that's one category. And then there's a category of people maybe like you who want to do right by their child, um, who just don't recognize that some of their methods, and I'm not saying you, I'm just talking generally you and me, who maybe don't just recognize that some of their methods may not necessarily work. M most cases, most times, I'm not sure you realize that um, it is some of the things one is doing may, is, may potentially be abusive unless it's the outrightly outright abuse. Um, for example, a very simple example could be, you know, this thing we call passive aggressive where something happens and maybe the child's done something and then you don't speak to the, for some people, they may not speak to that child for days because they're trying to teach them a lesson. But is that really okay? I would term that as abusive because what is the effect that would have on the child? The child starts to be fearful. I don't want that to happen again. But beyond that, there's rejection in there because the child feels I've done something wrong. They've rejected me. I'm not good. I'm not sure that's an effective way. And even though afterwards you may laugh and so on and so forth, you've sown a seed, a seed of reject, of potential rejection which and you know which brings about all sorts of feelings in the child, um, but that's just a, a simple you know a simple example. So, I I think our parents when they were bringing us up for those who were trying to do it right, I don't think they were intending intending to be abusive. It was just the way things were done. It was just how Does they knew. Mean, yes, it was how they did it, how they knew to do it. Does it mean that some were not abused as a result? No, 
people did get abused. We, we now, it now has a name. Um, <laughs> it's amazing the number of things when we're growing up, didn't, we didn't have a, a tag and these days now have a tag. And once you put a name to something, it becomes an issue. Um, we now know that some things are just, you know, could be avoided. There are maybe more effective ways of disciplining. Um, and so to your question, how do we know in those cases? I would say you may not. But one of the things I try to do is communication, have continuous conversations with the child. And the reason for that, and when I say conversations, you will go to places you don't even want to go, you know, just to sort of with the child to understand how is this child doing? How are they feeling? What are they thinking? Just to sort of, you know, when you're doing a job, for example, you need feedback to know whether you're doing a good job. You always ask for feedback. And even if you don't, they give you feedback. And that's how you assess yourself. It's the same with anything you want to do and you want to do well. If you don't want to bring up your child, well, then it's fine. You don't need to ask for feedback. But if you do want to do it differently, then you need to get feedback. Yeah, we will all make mistakes when bringing up children because none of us are perfect. Some will be too, too, too slack with a child. Some will be over controlling. We will all, we will all do it. But it's about a desire to, to want to do it right. And if you want to do it right, then you keep questioning and, and reflecting on your approach and engaging with the child to understand. I have a friend who, who shared with me about how, how her daughter said to her, well, when I was young, you, you said you, you would smack me. They live here. They're African, they're Nigerian as well. You would smack me. And she was trying to explain to the child, actually, yeah, there's nothing wrong with smacking. Um, yeah, but you were, the child, the child goes, yeah, but you were too controlling. Um, and the mom was like, yeah, but that's because that's the way we bring up children in our culture. And the child was really trying to get to something. Eventually the child says, look, when I was young, I didn't know how to be. Because if I sat, you guys would talk. I just wanted to explore. I was just curious. And you wouldn't let me. If I wanted to run run around, you know, the grass or whatever. Oh, no, no, don't do that. Come back here. And when she told me that, my heart broke. And those are the little things. This friend of mine is not even a mean parent. But where I'm going to with this is just, this came out because she engaged with the child and wanted to get to understand, you know, um, and that's how she found out. And, and so she sort of continues having those conversations. We may not necessarily take everything the child tells us. We may not necessarily change everything because, you know, because obviously where we are responsible for them and we're trying to do what is right. But my view is at least have the conversation if you want to do it right. So that if there are things you can you want to change as a result of the conversation, then you feel free to do so. Um, so so that's on the one hand, and very quickly on the other hand, as as part those who who set out to be abusive, some <clears throat> some are intentional, some are not. I remember in my secondary school. <sighs> We, we had to do a piece of homework. So I was guilty. We were on half term. I went to a boarding school. We had to do a piece of homework. And I hadn't done the homework when we came back to school. 
so I was in deep trouble. <laughs> so, you know, and as it goes in, in schools in those days, you get severely punished for certain things. Ask me now, I think that was absolutely unnecessary. But yes, the teacher said she was going to beat us, um, give us seven strokes of the cane. And if you flinched, she would start all over. All over. I was so terrified. We were quite a few that didn't do, over half, half of the class didn't do the homework. In fact, I think the teacher said, I think the teacher punished herself as well because, you know, your hand would ache when you're really <laughs> trying to inflict pain on somebody. <laughs> so... She got us all to line up and I was so afraid I went to the back of the line. And um, when it was my turn, she could see she had energy. She had something against me. Again, maybe we'll come to that later. Um, anyway, she then proceeds to start beating us, beating me. Um, it was on the back. I'd never been beaten like that in my whole life. And... I tried to take it. After five strokes, I flinched. She started all over. That day, I got um, over 24 strokes of the cane on oh my, my back. Tell me that is not abuse. That is abuse. How would you do that to a child? How? Because she didn't do her homework. And how does that, that some people would say well next time the child will do the homework no that does not help learning psychologically barriers start to come in i could not walk out of that place you know so those are things that, so so when it comes to how do you know when when abuse has happened at the time it didn't have a title and there was nobody who stopped her, so she used her freedom. Um, if I think about why she did it, I, you know, I believe she had an impression about me, um, a false impression, and so I think that fed into how she treated me on the day. So for me, that was abuse. But again, as with Nigeria, there was no law to stop her from doing that to us. Um, and that's the case also with like house helps living with families, so, you know, where the woman would beat the child mercilessly for whatever it was the child did, mercilessly. Um, yeah, that is abuse, it's abusive. Some of many times, I think these people would go out and would not believe their abusers. Most abusers don't believe their abusers. That's a sad thing. They don't have the empathy. I, I read something about, you know, psychological when it comes to abuse. Most people who've been abused are often, they lack empathy. It's one of the effects of abuse in children, childhood abuse, because you start to shut down those areas that make you feel or remember that situation. You also start to shut down the part of you that would sensitize you to, to that pain for other people. Um, and so you find a lot of them having a um, having having a lack of empathy. Some of it is also stems from well, you know they say abusers uh, the abused are the ones who also become abusers very often. And you can when I read about that link with empathy, I began to see how it is possible for for the abused to become abusers because there is no empathy because some of them could reason, well, I went through it, so it has to be okay, you know? So I think those are the ones where it's a little bit more difficult for them to see that their actions are actually abusive. And that's where the power of what you're doing comes in. 
where what you're doing is sort of shining a light. Because sometimes, unless somebody opens our eyes to see, we don't know. And some will go to their graves not even realizing the horrible impact they have left. The lady who did that to me in school, believe me, it's I've forgiven her. She's passed on now. But the memory stands for, stands out in my in my mind mm. till today. Because you know, that's just the way it is. So that's the impact she had on my life. How do you go to, how do people go to their graves and that's the impact? And so maybe, maybe one of the things that could help us if at this time we can't see how our actions are abusive, maybe some of the things that could help us is to reflect. When I go, when I'm old and gray, and I think back to today, is this what I want to be remembered for? Do I want to be remembered for having, if this girl came to my burial, this girl that I'm looking after, what would she say about the way I'm treating her? If we can have those, nobody's saying to talk to anybody, just have those internal conversations with ourselves to say, yeah, this is what I want to be remembered for. Maybe, just maybe, we might be able to start to break down the barriers that keep us from seeing and recognizing any of our actions that could be abusive to somebody else. Wow, I'm I'm getting very emotional (laughs) because... There's so much truth that you are speaking. And I've myself been reminded about my own past. Um, I remember that I was born left-handed. So I could write. That was how God made me to be able to write with my left hand. And it's only after having kids that I realized that I use my left hand a lot. And I was like, God... I must have been born left-handed because I find strength a lot with my left hand. And I remember telling my sister, I'm a twin. I remember telling her, oh, you know, I'm left-handed. You know that? And she was like, yes, of course you're left-handed. I knew that. And she was like, the reason why, you know, you you can write with your right hand is because they used to beat you so much on your left hand to force you to stop you from writing on your left hand in Nigeria. And, um, oh my gosh, I'm getting so emotional. And it broke me to know that God gave me an identity, a unique identity to be a certain way. And these people came to try to make me to be something else for their own way and is a lack of knowledge and it's also a lack of embrace in this child as how God has made them and it it saddens me to know that we are continuing to repeat that pattern of abuse upon children because of cultural power. And it's important for me doing this type of show in order to help people to recognize the truth because the Bible says that the truth shall set you free. And the Bible also says that my people lack, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And I find that even Africans, not generally all Africans, but a lot of, you know, Africans, we lack a lot of knowledge of how to raise children up. We don't see it as important, but these, this is important. This is a project that God has placed in our hands. I find that we, we put a lot of more energy on career and wealth, but that's, doesn't always bring us long-term satisfaction. 
I find that when we invest a lot on relationships, invest a lot on our children, those are what will bring us everlasting joy because on our deathbed, it's not career and wealth that is going to meet you. You are going to remember the relationships that you have had in your life. And is that you're going to, you know, look on, have I done well to this person? Or have I not done well? You know, I was listening to someone who had worked with elderly people. Actually, I was reading a book about this, actually. And they said that one of the the frequent um the frequent thing that they have come to experience when they're dealing with people that was on the deathbed, these people would say, I wish I had invested more in this relationship. I wish I had been bolder to speak up. I wish I had done this differently in that person's life. And hardly any of them would say, I wish I had made more money. I wish I had, you know, applied for that career. It's always about relationships. And that's how God has made us to be, to be in relationship. He values relationships so highly. We as well should value those relationships. Children, according to the Bible, are a heritage from God. So what are we as parents doing to invest in that heritage? Because they are a blessing. We must remember they are a blessing. So what are we doing to steward that blessing? Because that is what we are going to be judged by. You know, many people say, I want a child. I want, I want children. But are you prepared to raise that child up? Are you prepared for the sacrifice that you need to make in order to see that child flourish to the best of their ability in order for that child to be able to come on this earth to accomplish their assignments? We as parents have responsibilities and it's important that we, we seek knowledge, we seek truth, we seek understanding so that we may be able to have the wisdom in raising them up in the ways of God. Now, I know, Auntie, that you are a huge advocate against child abuse what made you so interested to raise awareness about this? You're right. It's something that is really close to my heart. Um, and I think probably because of how I grew up, my parents were not abusive. They were firm. And it wasn't like I didn't get, you know, smacked. Um, so it's not about that. They they were firm, but I remember my mom always, always after she's smacked me or beaten me with a stick, she would call me and explain to me and ask me, do you know why I did that? She, it was never an action out of anger. She never, neither of them ever hit me out of, you know, you know how the child says something, the parent gives them a dirty slap. <laughs> no, they never did that. It was always measured. They would call, okay, yes, I'm going to smack you. They finish, and my mom would be like, do you know why that happened? And you get to tell her why. <laughs> while you're still smarting from the from the pain inflicted. Um, and then very regularly, she was very clear that she loved, loved, loved us and she would say it to us. So I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, they were not abusive towards me. However, 
there were other parties external to them who were abusive towards where I faced abuse. Um, obviously, my parents had to work, so we had house helps. House helps, oh God, those ones come with a load of all sorts of things, but I won't go into details with that. But yes, I definitely faced abuse from a couple of them. Um, there was a, a lot of emotional abuse. And I think those are one of the emotional abuses. I would almost say it's one of the worst. You know, I know there's sexual, there's physical and all that, but emotional abuse, you know, the, the, the abuse of the psyche of the child, that subtle abuse is just crazy because it, you can't pinpoint anything as wrong. It sends you into the spiral of, it must be my fault. It breaks down your ability to, to think and to treasure yourself and to believe in yourself. So it's very, I, I think it's, it would, in my books, I, I would almost, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert on these things, but yes, I know sexual abuse is way up there, um, but emotional abuse is also very much way up. Um, and it's, it's one of those that is very hard to break down because you're not even aware of, you're not even aware that your expression of it is, an, is, a, is as a result of abuse. You're not aware that its effects, the effects that you see is as a result of your abuse, the, the behavior that you're displaying is as a result of that emotional abuse. So yes, I was subjected to that from house helps who would, uh, there was a time who, you know, I, I was very, very picky eater as a child. And that was because I used to get nauseous. I would feel like throwing up, but, you know, I guess they didn't understand um, whenever I ate certain foods. And so my parents knew I didn't like certain food, so they wouldn't give me. Um, but this maid, when she came, you know, there was this, I didn't like eggs. So the egg my mom made and my mom had gone to work, the, I just went to very um, <laughs> secretly throw it in the bin. And then <laughs> the house help comes, have you eaten? I said, yeah, you know, I sort of mumbled something and then she finds out it's in the bin. She makes me eat it. Yes, she made no. me. No. Yes. And I ate it. Oh my goodness. Now, the effect of, and the, you know, she would say things like, if you tell your parents that I beat you, um, then I'll beat you again. I can't remember how old I was, but I was a child. Now, when a child, your parents are not there. I, I don't know, I can't, I don't really know what kind of child I was, but when, when a child who feels the parents are there to protect them have, and the parents have to go to work, you sort of feel like, well, this is a person here. You feel like you're at their mercy. Um, and so when my parents came, I wouldn't tell them what I've been gone through because I figured when they go, she would just do whatever to me. So, you know what? I would, um, I would up her with my parents. I would tell my parents she's the best thing, you know. Yes. You know, I would say, oh, I wanted to share all my clothes, so I would give her all, give her stuff that you want to give me, just give it to her, you know, and pretend that I liked her just because I was trying to protect myself from the abuse that would happen when my mother or father wasn't there. I, as a child, I didn't realize that if I had told my parents, they would actually um, do something about it. And I don't know why that is. 
you know, again, I'm sure if we, if I was a psychologist or whatever, I would probably be able to find out why I found it hard to tell them what I was going through. My one, one part of me thinks, you know, sometimes also, this is where parents also need to be careful when you discipline a, a child. There's a possibility for that child to think that if they told you, you will beat them as well you know so those are those are just things in the peripheral that i'm i'm sort of exploring as well so um yeah so so anyway that's what happened with the house help and then i've also talked to you about about school um and i generally just went through a lot of my childhood thinking feeling very very alone um, and so for me that's one of the things that really 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 made me want to help um, when I was in school so I, I changed schools in secondary school first year of secondary school I moved to a boarding school the one I referenced earlier and when I got there I didn't have friends in my year um, because, you know, when when we're not joining from the first year, bonds have been made. And so any new entrant in later years has to break those bonds to make friends. So I didn't have friends. I felt very alone. Um, I suffered abuse from a lot of the seniors who obviously now that I'm older, I can see they were children themselves. But <laughs> um, yeah, they... I wasn't one of the cute girls, I was tall. And while the looks shouldn't have anything to do with it, I was just one of a child trying to, to fit in, as most children are, just really wanting to be loved and just to fit in. Yeah. Yeah, and accepted, and that wasn't happening. Um, and um, seniors really, you know, the seniors in the school were really mean to me so I suffered abuse at their hands there was too much freedom allowed for them because there was no no check on them um, by any by the people who are in authority who were supposed to be they were supposed to protect us children so reflecting on all of that I guess as I grew up through each stage of my life it just built in me a desire to, I guess because I'd seen the two sides, I'd seen loving parents, I'd seen the mistakes they made. And I say, as I say that, I'm also careful to realize and recognize that I have made and I'm making my own mistakes because not, nobody was born a perfect parent. We all learn. So I've seen the mistakes they made. But I think having the, the balance of the two my heart is drawn to people who have invulnerable positions because I can see how very easily they become pra um, praise to predators who have no desire to do what is right or who just don't know how to do what is right. Um, and I believe it is our responsibility as adults to protect the children within you know, within our, within our society. It's our responsibility to call it out. It's our responsibility to shed the light, to shine the light on the situation so that children don't have to go through this. So the effect of what I went through, I know how I've had to deal with a lot of that and I'm still dealing with them even till today. And I'm happy to deal with them. I'm happy to deal with it. I'm happy to face it. Um, um, because life is a, you know, it's a lifelong journey. We're in this for the long haul. I'm in it for the long haul. So, yeah, the important thing is we start doing something about it. And so what are you doing right now about it as a way to help you to overcome that past and not allow it to infect your present and in the way that you're raising up your children? Some of what I'm doing, I took from how I was brought up. As I said earlier, I, my, my mom 
remind us how much she loves us. So that was that I have carried on. Now, conversations with my children, I have started doing as well. Um, I, I'm not doing as much as I would love to. And so it's something, it's in progress. Um, they're teenagers now, so. <laughs> um, but when they were younger, you know, I would do that. The one thing I also made sure I did was I kept saying to them, if you're worried, if you're feeling mal, if you've been maltreated, please, I have an open door. You can trust me. I have, nobody can love you the way I will love you. I'm the one that carried you for nine months. Tell me. I won't judge you. I won't scold you. Talk to me. Because, and, I, and that's because I remember not feeling confident enough to tell my parents. And I don't know why. But I don't remember them saying to me, come and tell me anything. So I'm like, well, maybe that would help. So I do say that to my kids. Obviously, teenagers, um, I'm not sure how much they want to tell <laughs> a parent, but that's a different story. So they know, at least I've said it. Other things um, I've also done for myself is, you know, I, I, I probably spoke a little bit about it. Getting additional knowledge, trying to find out. I'm, I'm quite interested in the psychology of it also. I'm sort of trying to learn what is it that makes people the way they are. Um, I honestly believe that who we are today, the foundations of it started from childhood. And one of the, some of the biggest um, thought processes, behaviors um, to, to, to shift are the ones that were formed in childhood. And it will take a lot of work to undo them. And that's why you find the struggle. I mean, there was a time I used to wonder, why, why, why am I struggling with this? It's because that was my norm for many years. Um, you know, the fear I used to, I, I lived in absolute fear as a child. I don't even know what I was afraid of, but I was just afraid. Um, maybe, there are lots of maybes, as you know, with, and I try not to go over maybes because you can't change the past. And as you said, as you rightly pointed out, we want to use the past as a, as a springboard for the future, you know? So another thing I did, I reflected that maybe, okay, boarding school, changing school midway when I did, I took some time to reflect on how you know, why I could have had issues because the school I was at before I changed school, I had friends, um, friends that were in my year. And, but by the time I got to this new school, it was a struggle. And that was when I realized that, look, I think bonds are made when people, when you're in your first year. And then when I read, I saw that that was actually what might have happened. You know, your first year, everybody is fresh. So you, you sort of bond with somebody and you spend a whole year together doing things together. The person who joins you the next year or the year after, you know, midway, they're gonna have to break those bonds and they're pretty hard to break because they're trusted bonds. They're bonds that they're, so, they're strong because every individual is in need of some sort of affirmation and acceptance. And so those, bond, those bonds are the basis of those acceptance and, and affirmation for each of those children. And an outsider coming in to try and break those bonds is like trying to break their security. And so that's why it's hard to break. Anyway, that is my own reflection. Because of that, I made up my mind that I would try as much as possible not to change my children's school media. But it's not about the not changing. 
because life happens, right? It's about, right, maybe you do need to change a school. How are you going to mitigate that risk? So provide the support for the child. Because what happened to me was not necessarily, it's not that there was anything wrong with changing school. It was that there was no support, no emotional and psychological support to catch me when I really needed the help. In the West, in my kids' school, they've got uh, counselors and so on. The teachers are trained to pick up when children are going through whatever because you it, it comes through in the behaviors that the child displays. You start to pick up things. In my school, believe it or not, we did have a counselor, but that's where it ended. The teachers were not trained to pick up when a child was struggling. The housemistress was not trained to pick up that the child was struggling. Um, there are so many other things that, so many other signposts that when I grew up and reflected, I realized there were red flags that somebody should have picked up on. Um, but that said, there were many of us, so, you know. However, the counselor who I should have felt comfortable to go and speak to, I was not aware that she was there for speaking to. And she, I'm not sure she really understood her job because I never saw her perform her role. The most she would do would come into class and check her nails. <laughs> so I think... Check your nails, really? Yeah, check her nails. That's what she did. Um, that's a counsellor. So. That is not a counsellor. She belongs somewhere <laughs> else in the beauty, <laughs> in the beauty industry. <laughs> yeah. So... To your question, those are the things, um, two questions in one, those are the things that have really driven my desire to make a difference in that space. So I'm happy for the experience. I thank God for those experiences because it's opened my eyes. I can see certain things very clearly. I can see connections between behaviors and certain things, which I probably would not have been able to appreciate um, had I not gone through it. You know, unless you wear the shoes, you don't know where it's hurting, you know. So, um, so that's one. And I've also been able to use some of that for my kids. That said, I know that when my kids grow up, they're still going to say something, mom, you didn't do this, mom, you didn't do that. And I'm happy for them to bring that on. And I'll add that to my list of Okay, how could we do this better? Um, but I think ultimately for me, it's, uh, it's about continuous learning, learning from other people's experiences as well. And seeing, like when I heard the story from my friend, you know, I'm like, okay, how can, how can I improve the relationship? What does my child need? You know, um, in, in Nigeria, then they would, Nigeria, they would say, uh, um, don't cuddle your baby too much. Um, they'll be too attached. Yeah, and when you then need to go back to work, it'll be harder for the child. They will cry a lot. But research these days has started showing how the kind of things that happen in a baby's brain when you cuddle the child and the more you cuddle a child, the more likely they are to grow up the way they should. There's a certain thing that is, a certain need that is being satisfied, you know. So I wouldn't know that if I didn't reach out for that knowledge. So um, my experience has helped me to open up, to learn more about how to make a difference in that area. And one of the things that I got from when you were speaking is that you were intentional and you are still being intentional of wanting to learn and wanting to do better. And there is such great value in that. Um, but for parents who may not necessarily want to, you know, follow the footsteps that you're doing, you know, they will ultimately pay the repercussion of it. But change first comes by acknowledgement and after acknowledgement 
making the next steps or necessarily measures to do something about this and to do better. Um, one of the things that I have been doing, what I've done in the past, is that I had to professional counseling, thanks to my husband for allowing me to do that. Um, it was a, a few, a lot of investment, but I needed to go through that therapy classes in order to help me to see my pattern behaviors. And I believe that it has really helped me to understand me and it has forced me to wanting to do better and to grow. Though in the midst of the growth is hard because breaking barriers, breaking generational barriers is hard um, for the person who is doing the work, but it has to be done in order that the cycle can be broken and new change and greater positivity can be made for the next generation so that they would not follow the past habits that we have had to do. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to quickly add is one of the things I learned when I did some research was that there is a connection between the adult today, I think I've sort of touched on that already, between the adult today and what happened to them in childhood. And when you physically abuse a child, physically abused children very often become really violent adults because that's how they know how to behave. Because of the pent up frustrations, they become really violent. Some of the effects of abuse includes Sometimes you find them not even being able to function in society. You find they don't want to work, which obviously has an, an overall in, impact on the economy as well. So I think when we really think about things like that, I think there is definitely a case to be made for improving what we give to our children when they are young, how we form them, whether they are ours or they're not ours. And I would still go back to the point around reflecting on when we are on our deathbeds, what do we think these people would say about us? What is the impact we're making? What's the, what's the impact we're making on these children? I would like, when I'm on my deathbed, to be able to reflect and see how, because of what I went through, I was able to help somebody not go through the same, or even if they go through the same, because sometimes you can't stop it, you're able to give them the tools that help them thrive in spite of what they've been. And then they can light somebody else's candle and help that person thrive in spite of what they've been through. I would like to be able to see that because of my experiences, I was able to use those experiences to, to to be the best I could be. I didn't allow the experience to, to kill me. So in that, I'm, I'm sort of pulling out two different things. The responsibility on the parent, the responsibility on us all as adults in terms of how we help and protect the children that God has put in our care, whether biological or not. And then, of course, with the, with, with, with the parents who used to be children and are now adults and are feeling the regret and pain of where they have come from and as a result are lashing out. I think there is that piece which it's about how can you leverage your experience and not allow it to kill you, not allow it to limit who you are, but rather use it to become the best you can be, you know, um, use it to, to fly, use it to help other people, you know, like you said, go for counseling and unwind um, 
remove the 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 casings around that core that you have shielded and protected so much you yourself you don't know what is there but it is dictating your every move till date go on that journey and find out and and sort of unwind and, and get some healing so that you can thrive and be a better individual in the society and then you'll be able to help other people you know I think that's what I would like my life to be on my deathbed. I love that. I love what you just said. Use it to help other people. I believe Mm -hmm. that there is power when we recognize our pain and use our pain as a purpose to do better and to help others. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I believe that too. And thank you so much for this interview. It has really opened up my mind. I have learned so much and I hope that those who are listening right now have learned about the subject matter of childhood abuse. Thank you for listening. I hope that you were encouraged. Please do share this with your friends or family and do come back for next week's episode. Bye for now.